Thank you, Lord. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I long for the day that we can actually talk to one another in the spirit, like the scripture says. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. You may be seated this morning. I'm so glad that you came back. We only ran off a few people, it looks like. But we just believed they had to go to work. Well, we're sure that they did. I don't think we did anything that ran them off. But if you have your Bibles this morning, which I'm hoping that you do, open up to Acts, the second chapter, verse 39, and then um, we'll, we'll go on from there. But there's just something that popped in my mind and this morning was... Um, Acts 2, verse 39, says, For the promise of the Holy Spirit is to and for you and your children, and to, my Bible says, and for all that are far away, even to and for as many as the Lord our God invites and bids to come to himself. Um, I was thinking about that because there were a number of people, I think Charles said five people last night, that received the filling of the Holy Spirit with, with the, the utterance thereof and, and the evidence of their, their, their prayer language. And then there were some that were struggling a little bit last night. Um, and, and I wanted to say this, my wife might disagree with me on it, but that's not the first time that we've disagreed on things. I'll try not to do it in public. Uh, well, that would be a first. So, <laughs> uh, I said I'll try. But if you if you didn't didn't get the the evidence of speaking in tongues, it doesn't mean that God loves you any less, or you're not walking with Him any less than anyone else. Sometimes there's a there's a scripture in the Bible that says, and then there there were those that were healed as they went. It could be a process for some people. I don't want you to be discouraged. Because um, I, don't want, I didn't want people to walk out last night and go, well, she got it or he got it and I didn't get it. Why didn't I get it? You'll you get, get it. it. You huh? did get it. It's already in you. It's in you. But it, the manifestation of the evidence. And so um, it's just like if, if there's a crime, sometimes evidence comes out later on. And so I, I don't want you to be discouraged on that. Because I remember back when our children, um, our, our oldest son, Harry, he just... He said, Mama, I want that Spanish language you pray in. I said, okay, I'll just pray for you. And the minute I did, I said, I said, ask the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Father, fill me with the Holy Spirit. I said, with the evidence of tongues, with the evidence of tongues. five years old. They don't have any mind thing to get in the way, and they're not self-conscious. So they, they just jump right in. And then with our son, Roman, he wanted the, he wanted the, the same thing. And um, all Roman could get out was one phrase. One phrase. But it took him a little while because he was more focused on my brother's doing this, you see. So because he was focused on my brother, I'm not getting it as easy as him. He wasn't getting it because he was shutting it down. That's what people don't understand. You're the He's not withholding anything from you. So I told him, I said, cover your eyes with one hand so you'll stop looking around. That's one thing I try to get people to do is get in the throne room. And I said, lift your hand to heaven with the other. So he's so obedient. He's got this hand up and this hand up. And Gabrielle's just about, uh, she's not quite one. She's 11 months old. She's sitting over on the floor playing while I'm working with Roman, who's a little bit more than three. And so while I'm working with him, he begins to get this one phrase. But I notice she's over there. She's working too. And she's just playing with blocks. And she's over there going, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, she's just counting. She's almost one and she's counting to nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, two, three, four, five. She was very verbal early. So I'm thinking, oh, how funny. She thinks she's praying in tongues, counting her numbers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And I'm working over here with Roman Harry's just off in the spirit praying. They're at this point, one and almost four and seven. And so um, Harry's just praying in Romans. He finally goes, gets one phrase, Kosobada didi da. I said, oh, that's your prayer language. So after three years, he's still praying, Kosobada didi da, Kosobada didi da, Kosobada didi da. He's like, is that all I'm ever going to get? And I said, no, but that's your language. That's how you start. People start with mama, dada, baba. Some people don't get fluent. In the beginning, they get some syllables and they get some words. And the more they get over themselves, the more the language frees up. So I would work with him every night. I'd stir up that gift inside of him. And so after about a week, I'm thinking, Gabrielle's over there playing with her blocks, counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, one, two, three, four, five, six. And I'm thinking, oh, how funny. And so I go over to pick her up, and she's fluent. 
in a prayer language at one year old. Fluent, because she's not worried. She's but, not thinking. She's not thinking, what is anybody thinking about me? And she prayed in tongues till the day she went to heaven. But she started out. One, Just two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, two, sounds. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, two, three. That was the water that primed the well for it to begin to come up inside of her. So I, I, I wanted to share that with you. And I know some of the people that were here last night were, are not here today. But I share that with you because um, you might get a phrase, you might get a word, you, you might get just, but it's the priming of it. And then all of a sudden, when you least think that you're going to be praying in the spirit, you might wake up in the middle of the night and then all of a sudden, here's your prayer language. And so it manifests in people in different ways. So I just wanted to say That's that right. because I, I want to encourage, not d be discouraged. I want to encourage everyone. That, yes. And that at any moment. And so <clears throat> just by sharing with you our, our children's stories, I, I couldn't think of anything more precious than, than Harry. He just got it. He just got it. And Roman got a phrase. And Gabrielle starts out with numbers. But eventually they all got it and they were all filled. And I can't explain to you how any of that works. I just know it's how we're all different people and we're different instruments. And I think one of the things I used to share with one of the ladies last night was struggling a little bit. I said, when I walked over to that piano tonight and I went to play it, do you think that piano started going, oh, don't, oh, don't play me tonight, I'm not good enough. Oh, don't play, play the other piano. I'm not good enough tonight. I, I don't sound good. I'm having a bad day. Da, 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 da. Focus, focus, focus. No, that piano didn't give me any guff. And it played exactly the sound that I made it play. Fifty other people can play. It'll sound like they play. But it sounded like I play because when the Holy Ghost plays you, it sounds like the Holy Ghost. And so I said, it didn't struggle with me. It didn't give me any trouble. And I went and requoted Romans 6.13. You are an instrument played for righteousness. So don't yield your instrument to unrighteousness. In other words, you're the instrument and the yielding, whoever you allow to play you is the sound you're making. Now, something else I wanted to say uh, that came up um, uh, last night afterwards was um, why? 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 Why do we pray in the Spirit? Well, there's multiple reasons, but let me give you an example. When you don't know how to pray for a situation, you pray in the Spirit and you're praying God's will. Romans 8, 22, 23. Because there are times that we're faced in the ministry, I'm sure Norman Barb, you have been also faced with situations where people say, can you tell me why this happened? And That's inside you're going, no. <laughs> inside you're going, no, I can't tell I you I why. <clears throat> for example, in our life, when our daughter went home at the age of six for brain, with brain cancer, Cheryl asked God, why? why? Now, there is no answer that will ever satisfy you. So when you pray in the Spirit, God's going to answer you in the Spirit. And eventually, I mean, it took us a long time. And eventually the Lord spoke to Trill because I said so. And there will never be a natural uh, answer from heaven that will make your flesh feel better or make your soul. You just have to decide, I'm going to go on. I'm going to worship God. I'm not going to get off track. And, and I don't have to know the answers. I don't have to have explanations for everything that happens to keep moving with God. Now, Norma Barb, if you're asked, if someone says to you, can you tell us why our six-year-old daughter went to heaven? And you blurt out, because God said so. All of a sudden, the people are going to respond and say, well, that's not the type of God I want to serve. I mean, can you all understand where I'm going with this? But in the spirit, if it comes to you from the Lord, because the Lord says, because I said so. In other words, there will not be an answer that I can give you in your mind that will ever satisfy your question. Well, and that answer was not for the whole body of Christ. That answer was for me. And he said. That was for me personally, because that's how I talk to my kids. I try to explain it to them. I try to explain it to them. I try to explain it to them. Finally, I said, because I said so, go do it. And so God spoke to me in the way I speak to my kids. He knew that no matter how many times he explained it, I would still want, want to know why. There would never be anything he ever said that's going to make me feel better. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he said to you, he said, you are asking a flesh, a flesh question because your flesh hurts because we live in a flesh body. But he said, I'm not a flesh God. I'm a spirit and a truth God. And the only way I can explain this to you is in the spirit. So the more I prayed in the spirit, the more I could go on. The more I was healed. 
because she didn't even want to. She didn't want to pray in English. For there was a time when she said, "I don't even feel don't, like praying." And I don't trust what I would say. And so, so if we ever try and give someone an answer in the flesh, the answer will never heal their flesh. But if you get it in the spirit, then you receive it from the spirit, and it begins to reveal how you can go on with that. So I just, which, I, I just felt like, go ahead. I'm which sorry. explains a lot of the things that that go on in a service, the speaking in tongues is not the only evidence or the only gift of the Holy Ghost. It just happens to be one that's promised to everyone always well, in Acts chapter 2, verse 2. But the gift when you pray in the Holy Ghost, then that, that causes other gifts to manifest, i.e. what you're talking about. You pray in the Holy Ghost, and then God gives you a word of wisdom for someone. Well, or he'll give you a word of knowledge for someone. Or he'll give you the power to pray healing for them. Now, I'm not going to call anybody up or, or say anything, but I'm just going to point out some comments that were made out at the service in, in this morning. You said when you prayed for someone else, you felt something. You felt something in your hand. You, 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 you felt the start of something. When I was praying for someone up here, you said when you got close to me, you felt something around me. Did you not feel that? And that's how you explained it to me. Well, Brother Hagen used to explain it this way. He said, when you get in the environment of faith and you get close to the, the people, that, that's why when people sit in the back row, I, 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 it's hard to reach people in the back row but if you get up here let me tell you the spirit because you're closer to a flesh being but you're closer to the manifestation of the gifts of the spirit not that it can't happen that way because we've seen waves go like this but I was in um, Korea Dr. Cho's church 50,000 people and I felt a wave start in that church but you know what the wave didn't start from the back of the building it, it started the from the front the of the altar. building and I began to watch the people all the way to the back, and there was this, this, it was this warm wave, and it started to sweep over people. But it needs to be flesh to flesh. The Spirit of God moves for humanity, flesh. Yeah. It doesn't move for the chairs. It doesn't move for the carpet. It doesn't move for the microphones. It moves for humanity. And so what Papa Hagen said was he said, you can get in an environment where the man of God is praying or ministering or laying hands on the sick, and he said it becomes a corporate anointing. Right. We could actually make the anointing move faster here if I made you all get together and sit in one section. I, I can't explain how that works. It just does. But if you're by yourself, it's going to be harder for you to tap in than if you're sitting in a group because the anointing flows. That's why it says laying on of hands because it's flesh touching flesh with the Holy Ghost that causes the anointing to flow person to person. Um, just because of what you said, Harry, I, I looked up uh, on the Penn Medical Journal uh, Pennsylvania Medical School of Medicine, um, wrote an article called The Language Center of the Brain is Not Under the Control of Subjects Who Speak in Tongues. Now, they did this, I know, they, they did this subject, uh, they did this medical study uh, on speaking in tongues. They said it's been around for thousands of years, referenced to by the Old and the New Testament. Speaking in tongues is an unusual mental state associated with specific religious traditions. Now, that's how they, so I'm just telling you, this is not written by Christians. Okay, but you get down to it, and they said, researchers at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine have discovered decreased activity in the frontal lobes, an area of the brain associated with being in control of oneself. Now, what would we say? I said this to the people being filled last night. Either you can be in control or you can yield and let him be in control, but you both can't be in control at the same time. But when you yield control, he's not going to throw you on the ground and make you act like an idiot. That's not the Holy Ghost that we serve, but you have to yield control. It's like being submitted. And so they've discovered, and it says the pioneering study involving functional imaging of the brain while subjects were speaking in tongues. Now it goes on to say that while the subjects were speaking in tongues, they compared the imaging to what happened to the brain while they were singing gospel music, and it was different. When they were singing gospel music, the frontal lobe was, was activating because their mind was involved. But when they were speaking in tongues, it was as if there was no function at all in the frontal lobe. Now, why is it saying that? Because your brain is not involved with your spirit. And they proved it scientifically. These findings prove 
that it is consistent. Our brain imaging research shows that these subjects are not in control of the usual language centers during this activity, which is consistent with their description of a lack of intentional control while speaking in tongues. These findings could be interpreted as the subject's sense of self being taken over by something else. Further studies proved that while praying in tongues, their own sense of self-worth was increased. What does that say? The Bible says that when you pray in tongues, it edifies yourself. If you don't feel good about yourself, praying in tongues will help you fix that. Because it causes your self-worth to be elevated while yourself itself is diminished. Does that make sense? And they proved it scientifically. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> Science will eventually catch up with God in every area. They'll never disprove God because it's science. It's an absolute, but they will always prove what the Bible's always been saying, this just being one evidence of it. Now, the last thing that I, I wrote down here is, and when you're in the Spirit, the Spirit will lead you to people who you are to pray for or to witness to. So many times we think we're supposed to go over and pray or witness to someone, and that's because we see something or we smell something like alcohol on their breath or cigarette smoke on their body. And so because of our natural senses, we think that's the person we're supposed to go pray for. Well, that's because you're flesh driven at that moment instead of being led by the spirit. And what I say at that is instead of using the shotgun approach, he honed you in mm -hmm. and he gets you to the person that you're supposed to minister to. And that's only revealed to you by the spirit. And I use an example of it, probably tell it Sunday, but Cheryl and I came from the Hagen camp meeting one night. And I don't remember when it was, honey, but we were sitting at a table and we were having um, like at a Denny's or something. We were with a couple other couples and we really came out of that meeting invigorated and, 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 yeah. and, and you know, just it was a really great service. And. If you don't get into meetings like that and come out invigorated, you shouldn't go to the meetings because you don't want to get anything out of it anyways. You're mm -hmm. going to be skeptical. But well, we went there expecting, and, and we were just having a good time, and uh, we were laughing and, and just enjoying life. And it was probably 11, 11.30 at night, and someone walked by our table, took a track out of their pocket, and threw it down on the table and just kept walking. Because we were laughing. Like, because we were happy... In enjoying life, we, we must be sinners going to we hell. We couldn't possibly be going to heaven. Right? Well, the opposite of that, if you're saved and going to heaven, you should be the happiest, people most joyous are. people around. But these sourpusses <laughs> judged us by our outward appearance. Now, my flesh said, track them down and tell them we're already saved. We don't need your stupid track. That's then you'd the have flesh. been just as bad as them. And so then I would have been just as bad as them. But it was a great teaching lesson for me. Don't ever judge people by what you see on the outside because that's the shotgun approach. Be led of spirit. And let me tell you, if you're led of the spirit, God will draw you to someone and he'll reveal something to them. My wife does it constantly in restrooms with women. And she will constantly be, have something manifest and turn and say to the person, can I pray for you for this? And they'll look at her like, like it's magic. Am I not That's right. telling you the and truth? It's just, it's just the Holy Ghost. You, you don't have, I don't operate in the Holy Ghost from the platform. I operate in the Holy Ghost all the time. It's not Happens hard to walk platform. up to someone Happens and smell cigarette smoke on them and say, you need to be delivered from an addictive spirit. That's not hard to do. But when the Lord reveals something mm -hmm. to you here, it'll blow their mind. And you can, in the spirit, you can smell things that other people can't smell. Now, and that doesn't always heighten on every person. But one of the first manifestations of the Holy Spirit I noticed when I first started 40 years ago, when I was walking the prayer line, I could smell different things on different people. And it wasn't their cigarettes. It was just spirits. And I learned what certain spirits smell like. Cancer has a specific smell. Different kinds of cancers have different smells. Heart disease smells different than, than other things. Diabetes smells like different things. So you, you learn to, to know a spirit because spirits, and if, it, if it's just a sickness, that's one thing, but if it's a spirit, it has an odor. 
So that's one of the things you learn when you're operating in the Spirit, to be aware of what you hear from the Holy Ghost, what you feel from the Holy Ghost, His leading and His guiding. And that's what I mentioned last night about when God tells you to go over there and to the Walmart. Just, just say exactly what He told you to say. Don't mess it up by trying to help it or fix it. Just because that's the word, that's the phrase. You might say something that sounds ridiculous to you, doesn't sound religious at all, sounds ridiculous. And yet if you say it, it's exactly what they needed to hear. Maybe they had said that that very morning, if somebody comes and says to me, then I'll know you're real. Okay, and you go over and say carrot cake. And they go, oh my God! <laughs> because you just obeyed God, you see what I'm saying? Don't try to make God be religious. He's not. He's God. And he knows what he's doing. We have no clue what he's doing, and we don't know what we're doing either. But if you obey him and just yield, you will always be used by the Holy Ghost. And he will use you in a great way. You, you started with that Acts scripture, but you hadn't read it yet. I didn't? Mm-mm. You didn't? Mm-mm. Did I, he read it? I think I yeah, I thought I did. Read it again then. I missed well, it. Well, I already turned the page. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I've already moved on. What, what, now you've got me confused. Acts 2.37. Did you read it? Yeah. He did? Okay. I was looking up the article. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no need to backtrack for me. I know it. You got me confused. Go, go, go over to go, where you want to go to the book of John. Sure. Just a few things because you started there last night. You yeah. hit on it a little bit. Move in your Bible to John. This, um, let's see. She went John 14 last night. Let's go to the John 16 today. The reason I like the book of John in uh, teaching on the Holy Ghost is because it is, has the most details of Jesus teaching on the Holy Ghost. I don't need you to confuse me. I'm confused <laughs> enough. So stop helping no, me, okay? No, you're not. <laughs> John 16, mm-hmm. um, let's see, let's see, where am I at? John 14, 15, 16, and 17 are scriptures you should study when it, when it comes to wanting to know more of what Jesus talked about the Holy Ghost. Uh, one of my favorites, and I read it last night, John 14, 26, but the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, and um, Your Bible may not give all those definitions, but I'm using the Amplified. And so what the Amplified Bible does is it takes the Greek, and you're in the New Testament, it takes the Hebrew in the Old Testament. And when the translator comes upon a word, he decides this is what God meant when it was written, and so he chooses a word. But the Amplified doesn't do that. It gives you every word it means. So that the Holy Spirit, see, I I don't need a translator to tell me what the word says. Give me the whole meaning. Because at different times in my life, it'll mean different things. So I like the fact that it ca- that calls the Holy Spirit the helper. And, and in the actual Greek, it calls him the helpmate. So everyone is given a supernatural spiritual helpmate. Not just men getting a wife. That gives them a natural helpmate. But God says, I'm going to give everyone a helpmate, which is more than just a helper. It's a helpmate, which means intimacy intimacy. The Holy Ghost is given to us for intimacy, something we can't even imagine. God wants that kind of intimate relationship with us. And so when we don't pray in the Holy Ghost, we're saying, I don't need you. I don't need your intimacy. I just need you when I'm sick. I just need you when I'm in trouble. I just need you when my finances are in trouble. I need you when my health is in trouble. No, he says, be intimate with me, and I will always be there for you, and you'll be in tune with me. Does that make sense? Now, John 16, verse 7 says, However, I'm telling you nothing but the truth. When I say it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for that I go away, because I do not go away. The comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby will not come to you into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be close in fellowship with you. Oh, stop right there. So it was necessary that Jesus go away. He was saying the purpose of the Holy Spirit will be manifested to you after I leave. And I've just thought about this many, many times. That both Jesus and the Holy Ghost, it seems, couldn't be here fully manifested at the same time. And I have no um, 
answer to why except to say, Jesus said it can't happen. I have to go away so I can send you the Holy Ghost. So there's something powerful about the fact that once you receive Jesus and people say Jesus is always with me. Well, not technically. Technically, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and the Holy Ghost is with you. Because the Holy Ghost is what he left behind to take his place, to activate his name, to be with you always. Does that make sense? It's scripture. Now, um, I wanted to flip to, um, well, we did John 16, verse 7 through 15. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. and you want to highlight that before I go into the Corinthians? Well, the full purpose of the Holy Spirit is laid out in John 16, starting in verse 7 and going through 15. And he talks about all the things the Holy Ghost why Jesus had to send him. When he, he said, when he comes, he'll convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need of a Savior and about righteousness and about judgment, about sin and the true nature of it because they do not believe in me and my message, about righteousness, personal integrity, and godly character because I'm going to my Father and you will no longer see me, about judgment, the certainty of it, because the ruler of this world, Satan, has been judged and condemned. I want you to notice that phrase. The ruler of this world has been judged and condemned. He's not going to be. He already has been. And so these are the three purposes of the Holy Ghost. To convict us about sin so that we will turn from it. Not make us feel guilty. Not make us feel dirty. Not make us feel like we'll never be able to accomplish anything. That's the, that's the work of the devil. But the work of the Holy Spirit is to convict you, making you want to turn and live holy and righteous and godly. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you feel bad. The Holy Spirit makes you feel good. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you feel evil. The Holy Spirit makes you feel good. And when you have the Holy Spirit, He convicts you. The more you walk with God, the less you can get away with. The more you have the Holy Ghost, he won't let you have a wrong thought. Now, when you first started, he wouldn't let you do that sin again. Now, after you've walked with him for a while, he won't even let you think about it. Because the closer you get to him and the more adult you become in him, then the more he realizes. And You know, if you've got babies or grandbabies, what's cute at two, no longer cute at 20. You know? And yet we try to act like we're two in the presence of God when we should be 20 by now. Right? So the more you walk with the Holy Ghost, the more mature you become. And verse 15 says, everything that the Father has in mind, that, that is what I meant when I said that he, the Spirit, will take the things that are mine and will reveal or declare or disclose or transmit them to you. My Bible says he will guide you into all the truth, full and complete truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears the Father say, and he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. Let me tell you something. You want to know about the future? Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. You will know. The Spirit of God said to John in, in Revelation chapter 4, come up here and I'll show you things that are about to take place. God does not want to keep you in the dark. He wants you to know what's coming. No. He wants you to know, I've got great plans for you. They're for good and not for evil. And wherever you are right now, I want you further. I want you higher. I want you more. Now, I remember a story. I didn't hear it. I wasn't in the room, but I heard it. In, in, in from who I've heard it from, I put uh, a, a valid, I, I, I can validate their um, credibility that Papa Hagen one night had someone that was with him in ministry and he, he had said to them, um, don't travel home tonight. And the people said, well, we need to get home. And he said, I don't, I don't, I, I don't believe that you're supposed to travel home tonight. Now, Brother Hagen tells you that. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a hotel room. <laughs> or, or I'm going to lay right down on his floor right there. Because he wasn't saying stay for dinner. Or I'd like to, he was telling them, I perceive something is not right. And they did not listen to him. They went home that night and they were killed in a plane crash. Now, what was he doing? He was in the spirit and he transmitted it, but the people didn't receive it. So 
one of the things that I want you to understand is when the Lord reveals something to you and you share it with someone and they don't receive it and they go out and act a fool, it's off your plate. Yes. You're no longer responsible. You did your part. And, and that's, a, that's one of the, the things for Cheryl and me, probably you pastor in ministries, when you, when you say to someone, this is what I believe, I've been praying about this, and they look at you and go, well, that isn't of God. And they go out and do it anyways, and then two weeks later they came and said, do you remember what you told me? <sighs> I should have listened to you. Yeah, you should have, but it's too late because they got in the flesh. I don't understand why people come and ask for prayer and ask for you to minister to them and when you do they turn a deaf ear on you what they're wanting you to do is validate what they were feeling in the first place in the bottom line to it is i'm not going to get on board with your sins so don't ask me to pray for you for righteousness or they want you to have a magic pill and just fix it for them so they don't have to do anything or take any responsibility one of the things that that no. you will know if when like you're feeling the anointing rise up in you now you, Pastor Barb and Pastor Norma already operating this. Pastor Judy and John already operating this. When you're walking the prayer for people, I don't let people talk because the moment they start talking, I'm out of the spirit. If I have to start listening to your issues, now I, I can't stay in the spirit. I got praying the Holy Ghost to stay in the spirit. I'm, my constant time when I'm ministering to people is to stay out of the way. Well, let me I'm give... trying to stay out of the way. You start talking to me. Okay, fine. You, you want to talk to me? You want to be prayed for because I can't do both. Well, let, let me give you two things on that. Number one, when we asked Dr. Roberts one time, we were in his home and we took someone to be prayed for. Uh, the, the man's brother had cancer. And the man asked Dr. Roberts, he said, why does it appear that people got healed in your tents more than they're getting healed today? And, and he didn't hesitate. He said, too many words, not enough power. He said, by the time you get done talking about it or these ministers pray these long drawn out uh, prayers, you, you haven't tapped into the power source. And so when you're up here, people want us to, to, to read their mail. No, just, I remember John Osteen one time just like that on me. I remember Oral just went like this. I was having back problems. He just wiped his hand and just kept going. But that does not mean that if someone asks you to pray for them, that you're walking along eating your egg McMuffin and all of a sudden you go, oh, well, be healed in Jesus' name and you go on. You cannot be flippant with the gifts of the Spirit. And that's what I see happen so many times is people just, they, they act like the gifts of the Spirit are, are, are like um, free peanuts or free candy. No, no. Like Cheryl said, she was schooled in healing. So when someone asks you, I remember when Benny Hinn came to our home to pray for our daughter, and he was moved with compassion. He was. But he wasn't anointed. There's a difference. At that moment, he wasn't anointed. And Harry said, why don't you wait till tomorrow in service? When you're under the anointing. When you're under the anointing. We appreciate your love. We appreciate you. your compassion. But we know when you're anointed, there's this, you, you perceive the anointing is in, in the, the healing virtue can go from the Lord into our daughter. And so you, you it, it, it's, a, it's a preparation to receive. That's all I can tell you. And so we don't want to ever treat the gifts of the Spirit flippantly. And then Lester Summerall, uh, this is, and then you go on. And then Lester Summerall is very interesting as well. Lester Summerall had a woman come up to him and say to him, Brother Summerall, may I pray for you? Now, I don't know, does anybody know, remember Brother Lester Summerall? Slightly gruff. He had a tremendous deliverance ministry, but he was as gruff as a, a piece of sandpaper. I guess if you uh, deal with demons all the time, you just get an edge I mean, on if you. you walked up to him and said, good morning, Brother Summerall, how are you? Go, <laughs> <laughs> He, he had no personality, none, and he'd just grunt. And so this woman came up, and he would meet. What? Nothing. You picking on Norm? They already know. No. I said he so, was Pastor Norm in the morning. So, 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 before his coffee. So, so this woman came out. May I pray for you, Brother Summerall? He said, no. And she said, well, all I want to do is pray for you. No. And she began to lay a say, she said, don't you put your hands on me. And he, the woman pulled back and he said, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you pray to. And I won't even let you lay your hands on me. Now that's a man of God because he understood the power of prayer. He understood the impartation. He understood the anointing. And he also understood demonic spirits that would try and get on him. He masquerade as angels of light. 
Hello. So you be careful who you ask to lay hands on you and who you let lay hands on you. And even when you go to pray for people, that's not, if you're in service and that's a different story and you've been given permission by pastors to pray, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking when you go to pray for somebody at the Walmart or in the bathroom or whatever, you should never just lay hands on somebody suddenly. The Bible says lay hands on no one suddenly. You should ask permission. May I pray for you? May I lay my hands on you? Because that's, that's Holy Ghost protocol. Well, last night, if you notice, I waited till Cheryl came down here because there were, it was one man and multiple number of women. And in the society that we live in today, mm -hmm. you better use wisdom. That's right. And when our children would lay hands, we would teach them. You have the person, if it's a woman, put their hands here and then you lay your hands on her hands because there can never be a misinterpreted agenda and this is the society that we live in now. Now, that's just how we are brought up. And that's it's the how right thing anyway. It's in, it, it preserves your own integrity, your own integrity and morality and ethics. It, it preserves it just to use wisdom. Because if you don't protect yourself, who is? Now, do you have something else on that I you would, want me to flip? I just want to talk about the flow of the Holy Ghost. When the okay. flow of the Holy Ghost begins and you're the one doing the praying... And, and you, you start operating in the spirit. If someone talks to you, it can stop the flow. It can stop the oil. So a lot of times people think you're being rude. I'm just trying to keep the anointing so that, uh, and, and then when the anointing's flowing, I can go really fast because the more, it seems like the more people I touch there, again, flesh to flesh, the more people I touch who are drawing on the anointing. The more people who I can touch while it's flowing like that, the faster the anointing will flow and the more power there will be behind it. Now, if I slow down, it's because the Lord told me to. Or because I feel like, okay, i got to wait a minute. i got to wait a minute. Something got me off, got me distracted. I mean, I'm just telling you the truth about flowing in the Holy Ghost. It's not like something that's poured over you. It's coming from in you. So you got to stay out of the way. And people say, well, the anointing comes on me and the anointing lifts off of me. And I, I deal with this all the time in our school of worship. So I'm training worshipers. And people run multiple services in a lot of places. And it's, it's not that they don't want the power of the Holy Ghost. It's that it takes the worshipers too long to get in. And so by the time they're finally into the Holy Ghost, it's time for them to be done. So they get in, and now they don't want to quit, and they run into pastor's time, and he can't do announcements, he can't preach as long as he wants to, and then ultimately the salvation call is, is thwarted because the worshipers went too long. Not here. I mean, I'm talking a lot of places where they run these really tight services, and you've got to turn it over. But... What happens is they're waiting for something to come on them. Like I'm waiting for the anointing. Well, the anointing's inside of you. Once you connect to Jesus, who's the Christos, the anointed one, now the anointing that's in him can be in you, and it's in you. And so what happens is you feel that different flow. You felt that. You feel it. When you feel that, it's because you think of it more this way. God is a body because we're made like him. And when you are in that place of the anointing that you can feel the flow of it. It's not because something came on you. It's because you plugged in. It's like you took a needle and you plugged into that, that vein or that artery inside of the body of God. And that thing is flowing. Where the wisdom's flowing, where the knowledge is flowing, healing's flowing. There's different veins that produce different things. Healing is flowing. So you get in there and it's flowing. And, and so what happens is when people say, I waited for it to lift off of me. Well, it's, the Holy Spirit says, I'll never leave you. He's not going to lift off of you. You just have to unplug, put some pressure, unplug, unplug, and go on. The Holy Spirit's not going to leave you, and you're never going to get him again. He's inside of you. Do you see what I'm trying to get you to understand? Now, I'll give you two more examples, and in, in, in the, the first one I'll give you is this. I used to, one of my assignments was I would pick up Dr. Earl Roberts and drive him to the Crusades. I would pick up his son Richard and drive them to the Crusades. Now, Richard had a different anointing. He had words of knowledge. Mm -hmm. 
Dr. Roberts had the, the, had the gift of healing from the laying on of hands. Now, later on in, in years, as he got older, he also operated in the gifts of knowledge, but his ministry was when he got that hand on you, the power of God manifested. And I've seen goiters change. I've seen people whose, whose feet were turned in like that, straightened out like that. But then I've also seen people whose feet got straightened out like that when they were in the spirit. And when they come out of it, they turn back right in. Back. So that would draw on off of his anointing so instead of receiving for themselves. My job was to drive up and go to his room and knock one time. And then knock any other time. And I'm sharing this with you because what Cheryl and I want to leave is an impartation. Yes. Because of what we've learned, now we're going to impart it into you, is what Billy Burke used to say. If you want a manifestation of the healing ministry, have me in once, have me in twice, by the third time, you I should, should have, have imparted, it. and you really don't need me to come back. That's an impartation. And so um, years later, I said to him, you know, there were times I'd knock on your door and, and you just bust out of the door loaded for bear. But there were times I waited 15 minutes, 30 minutes, up to an hour. I said, and you could have up to 10, 20, 30,000 people waiting for you, Madison Square Garden and other places, and you made them wait. I said, why did you make them wait? And, and he, he said to me, he said, listen, until I felt the power of God and the anointing in my right hand, there was no reason for me to come through that door. He said, because if I came through that door, it was just going to be me and the flesh and the people. And he said, I've never healed anybody a day in my life. So what he's saying was, get prepared, get under the anointing, and then begin to minister to other people. And then you can see miracle signs and wonders. Be ready and protect now, it. You have to protect the anointing. Now, but that's preparation and understanding when the anointing falls on you. The other one was Dr. Papa Hagen one night. You were you and he and um, um, Aretha were on a um, television program <laughs> being interviewed. And she was telling the story about her healing when Papa Hagen prayed for her. And uh, Cheryl's just talking away as she well, does. They wanted Brother Hagen and, and the only way he'd be on the show is if I would be on it with him. So I was there trying to fill in talk. Everybody well, you weren't feeling and you were just talking. I was. Just, but I was doing it on, uh, for a reason. You're about to tell why. Well, but you talk without any reason, honey. I just want but them to be. But that night I was talking <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> and, and, and she and, and, and Miss Aretha were just talking back and forth and the hosts were talking back and forth. Well, I got a call from the person who owned the TV station and said, you go out there and you tell Brother Hagen I want him to talk. And I said, I'm not going out there and tell Brother Hagen to talk. And he said, do you know who I am? I said, I do know who you are. And he said, you go out there and you tell Brother Hagen, I want him to start talking. And I said, I'm not going out there and telling him because if he doesn't want to talk, I'm not going to make him talk. He said, do you know who I am? I said, I don't care if you are G-O-D. I am not going out there because Brother Hagen knew he didn't have time for this. Well, he didn't. He only spoke. When he had something to say. When he knew the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he was ready I had minister. set him up 10 questions, and every time he'd just pat me, he wouldn't give me any answer. I mean, live on TV around the world, he don't care. He'd just pat me, so I would talk a little bit more. Then I'd turn around, ask another question. He'd just pat me. I'm thinking, come on, now, give we me didn't, something. At that time, I did not understand that because if you've ever been in his services, we took our daughter to him the morning that our daughter had been diagnosed. Well, she act, they actually told us the night before, and then, but the next morning they verified that she had terminal cancer. And we, we, we went into his house, and he opened the door, and Cheryl took our daughter and threw her in Papa Hagen's arms. And Papa Hagen went like this. Remember? He held her like this, he said. Yep. 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 Three yeps, and he said, y'all stand for lunch. We looked thinking, at each other and we're on, like, hey, give me something. We want one of them tent prayers. We want one of them raising the dead out of the box prayers. He said, what I had to say, you didn't need to hear right then. But you remember what Dr. Roberts said, too many words, not enough power. He had the power. He it, knew it, what was coming. Again, I'm there trying no to communicate to you, like it. I said last night, who amongst you has seen the temple in its former glory? How do you see it now? This is how these men operated. This is, this is the background of the charismatic 
revival and renewal that we saw and as I had some of you raise your hands last night, you saw it too. But now, this is what Cheryl and I were talking about the other day. And, and, and if you have your Bibles, go in the book of First Corinthians. And, and this is what I want, because uh, I'm watching our time too. Um, we want to have time for impartation. First Corinthians, uh, the 12th chapter, verse 7 says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of the spiritual illumination of the spirits for good and for profit. And then it says, to one is given, and through the Holy Spirit, the power to speak a message of wisdom, to another the power to express a word of knowledge, to understand according to the same Holy Spirit, another the wonder-working faith by the same Holy Spirit, to another extraordinary powers of the healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles together with prophetic insight, and the gift of interpretation, the divine will and purpose, to another the ability to discern and distinguish between the utterances of true spirits and false ones to another one various kinds of unknown tongues to others the ability to interpret such tongues now um i wrote down cheryl wrote down do you want to go over them well using those nine gifts these are gifts and we're going to talk much more about this tomorrow the difference between the gift of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit the difference between the in filling power and the indwelling presence so I don't want to get into that part of the teaching, but using these nine gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of prophecy, the gift of discerning of spirits, the gift of tongues, and the gift of interpretation. And this is different, this tongues and interpretation, that's different than you privately being filled with the Holy Ghost and you all, all having a prayer language and praying in the Holy Ghost. This is the gift of tongues and interpretation. As an example, we were in a Spanish church last year and you had to have full interpreters and I didn't know any songs in Spanish, but I wanted to worship, so I did Spirit Breakout. And in all my tracks, I leave these segments so I can just flow in the Holy Ghost. And so when I got to that place, I just started singing in tongues. And as I did, the people started cheering. And I thought, wow, they love the Holy Ghost here. And afterwards, we went to lunch with the pastor, and she said, did you realize that when you went into tongues, you were in fluent Spanish? And that they understood everything you said. And you were saying, Jesus, I am coming soon. Are you ready? Get ready. I love you. I adore you. She said, you kept saying that over and over and over. I am coming soon for you. I love you. I adore you. So the people just started cheering because I was saying that in Spanish. But I didn't know I was saying that in Spanish. I, it's just a gift of tongues and operation. So this is why I want you to understand. The gift of the Spirit that you receive when everyone acts. Two, two, when everyone receives their prayer language, that's a different thing. That's everybody receives that gift. Everybody receives this gift too, but the gift of it only operates when needed. It's not like I can go into the Spanish house and start speaking in Spanish. I don't get to say when it's going to happen. The Holy Ghost says when it's going to happen. Do you see what the difference? And then when you pray in tongues, in, in Acts chapter four, 13, Chapter 14, verse 13, it says, Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may be gifted to translate or explain what he says, or pray that he may interpret. That verse um, in verse 13 in, in chapter 14, that's talking not talking about the gift of interpretation as much as it's talking about when you pray in tongues every day, if you want to know what you're praying, ask the Lord to give you the interpretation. He will. Just pray. And the interpretation comes from the same place the tongue comes from, not from your brain. You won't even know what the interpretation is until you start to give it. And when you start to give it, oh, there it is. I did that this morning with Judy. We were, I, I came out and I said, I just prayed in tongues and this is what the Lord said. He said, you are going up. You're going up higher. You're going up high. You're going up fast. I forget the other word he said. To new levels. And he said, and everyone who is close to you is going to go up too. Everyone who is close to you is going to go up too. So I came out and I told you, I want to share what the Lord just said. So we're all going up if you want to. You can stay down low if you want to, or you can go up because I'm going up. Because he said so. Because he said so. So when we get to these nine gifts, the word of wisdom, we, we see this in the past generation. We saw it in Brother Graham. He operated in it all the time. And people would say, oh, he must not be filled with the Spirit because he doesn't pray in tongues. How do you know he doesn't pray in tongues? You just never heard him. But he's operating in the gift of wisdom all the time when he's preaching. Word of knowledge, Richard Roberts, a constant 
flow of the of word of knowledge now. Harry and I flow in word of knowledge all the time too, but we're talking about that generation and, back. And, and, and Billy Burke. Billy Burke, word of knowledge, absolutely. Uh, that's, that's more that generation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gift of faith, that's Brother Hagin. I never seen anything like it. No matter what he starts teaching on, no matter what scripture he pulls out, the message is going to be on faith because that's the gift that he carries. And when you're around him, your faith just exponentially goes up. You just, you, he can do a whole, a whole service and he's just laughing and people are laughing and your faith just goes boom, boom, boom because you're grabbing an impartation of what he's carrying. Healing, Brother Roberts. Never saw anything like it in my life, Brother Roberts. You want to you wanna be amazed at the move of the Holy Ghost? Go back and look at some of his tent meetings. You would just swear their stage is so amazing. But they're not. It was just a move of the Holy Ghost and healing. And he was the one. I never seen anybody do it like he does. Because every person he talked to, I don't know how he kept the anointing. But he, would, he just had a different way to carry the anointing than most people. He talked to everyone. He asked, what do you want? It, he did an interview with each one, and then he laid hands on them, and the power of God fell on them, and they were healed. And so that was a different manifestation. But, but the, remember, we're the instruments. The instrument may An oboe never does sound like a piano, right? I mean, I've never heard a guitar sound like a violin except this morning. He made it sound really good. Good guitar player. Um, gift, gift of miracles, Benny Hinn, no doubt about it. Catherine Kuhlman, no doubt about it. Gift of prophecy, Jack Van Impey. Discerning of spirits, Lester Summerall. Tongues and interpretation, everybody. At different times, we see it in different ones. But here's the thing. Most everybody I named is dead. Did the gifts die? No, the gifts weren't in them as their gift. It's the gift of the Holy Ghost. All those gifts are still in operation. They're in operation in every one of us if I have the Holy Ghost. This is part of what we, we would be teaching tomorrow. But this, this is the way. When you get the Holy Ghost, you get all the Holy Ghost. You don't get to pick and choose. I like that gift. I don't like that gift. I like that gift. I don't like that gift. When I come into a house, there's lots of manifestations of who I am. I'm a wife. I'm a friend. I'm a sister, I'm a mom, I'm a grandmom, I'm a daughter to my mom, I'm a woman of God, I'm a preacher, I'm a worshiper, all these things, all of that's who I am. But when I come in, depending on what's needed in that particular service or that particular, if I go to my mama's house, I'm a daughter, and that's what comes out. If I go stay with my sister, I'm a sister. If I go stay with my friends, I'm a friend. When I'm with my husband, I'm a wife. But all of that's in me, it manifests as needed. And that's the gift of the Holy Ghost. They're all in you, every gift. But they manifest as needed, and he knows what's needed. Is this mm. making sense? Now, 1 Corinthians 2, 5 and 6 basically says, it says, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So it, I, I know, I, I have to tell you this little story. My things are stories because I hung around these men. But I remember... Um, in the meetings with um, Dr. Roberts in the afternoon sessions, there was a man named Reverend Bob DeWeese. And Reverend DeWeese was the one that basically taught and schooled them on how to receive your healing and prepare the people for the evening services when they'd pull out their little card. And it'd be a green card for Wednesday night, a blue card for or whatever it was. And, and he would try and get the people prepared. And by the end of the week, I mean, there was, there was a healing line. There was invalid tent. But... Uh, um, uh, uh, he would also pray for people that couldn't stay to the end of the week. And <laughs> this woman uh, came up for prayer for something, and, and, and Brother Deweese prayed for her. Well, he no noticed this big goiter on her neck. And he said to her, well, we've prayed for your other uh, request that you asked. He said, may I pray for that goiter on your neck? And she said, no, no, I'm saving that for I'm Brother Roberts. <laughs> Seriously. People are funny. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm saving that one. <laughs> Seriously. People are funny. Now, now, my wife and I were in a, a large church in Tennessee, and uh, we began to have the service, and uh, the pastor came up and says, now you know we have so-and-so coming in next week, and we're expecting a huge altar call. 
We expect a lot of people to get saved. I said, well, I'm expecting we're, it today. Expecting and he almost was today. like, no, no. He almost said, oh, no, no. No, no. We're, we're waiting for, next, for week. next week. Well, man, we he like, threw well, down the gauntlet. To, and boy, I'll tell you what. It was a challenge. And I mean, we had full altars. And I said to him, how do you know that those people were going to even be here next week? What if and somebody died this week that should have gotten saved today? Well, you can't be waiting for a guest evangelist to come in in your church to give the altar call. Now, that's what the next verse says. He says, and the, 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 the people of this generation, they're going to pass away. But the gifts don't pass away. Mm -mm. When, when they put these men in the ground, I heard someone say this. Uh, well, I got a phone call about it. it said, he said, when Dr. Roberts, Papa Hagen, and Billy Graham go to heaven, there's going to be this cataclysmic event shift, shift in, in the world. And so someone called me and said, what do you think about that? I said, if God is basing a cataclysmic shift on three, on three individuals, <laughs> I don't think he's a big God. There was no cataclysmic event that happened when Paul and and silas and barnabas died or james and john and peter why would there be over oral and benny billy, billy and and, and uh, the other one you said brother graham brother, brother graham brother hagen i mean i'm we're not diminishing who they are we're saying that god has the same anointing in you that he had in them so when dr graham passed this year I said to Cheryl, I said, you know what, I, I, we need to pick up that mantle. Absolutely, it's, it's on the earth. It's on the earth. It didn't go to heaven. Your flesh doesn't go to heaven. The gifts of the Spirit don't go to heaven. They're here They're for people. Earth. And let me tell you, Cheryl and I are not big enough to pick up the mantle of Billy Graham. But we can pick but up a part of it. multiple people should be picking up the Everybody mantle of Billy Everybody should be saying, I want part of Multiple that. people should that. be picking up the mantle of Papa Hagen. Mul but I think they said, oh, they, they died, and so that died out. No, no, that that anointing is left here on this earth. We should be seeing a thousand and, Billy and, Grahams pop up on the earth right now. And how do you get that? You talk about how do you see it in the former days, and how, how do, you do you see, see it, it today? Now? Well, we see it now as the ability to have he said, in greater things shall you do in my name. And the, the, the latter wine will be greater than, than the, the former, former wine. The Holy Spirit is not based on a personality. The Holy Spirit is a person. And the Bible says, and in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So, and I don't mean to say this disrespectfully. But the day of the superstar it's over. minister it's over. evangelist is gone. It's over. They came for a season to introduce these gifts to the church. Now it's time for all mankind to embrace the gifts of the Spirit. And he will see the greatest revival that will start in the church from all mankind. And many were called. It wasn't those three that were called or 10 or however many no. who we know of. Many were called, but few were chosen. And people say, what does that mean? God didn't choose. No, no. God chose everybody. But many don't get to finish it because they don't do what it takes to carry it, to have it, to hold it, to keep it. First uh, Corinthians six nineteen says, your body is the temple. Do you not know that your body, your body, not your spirit, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says the same thing. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the Spirit of, you house the Spirit of God. He dwells permanently in you. I love how it reads in the Amplified. Collectively and individually. So the Spirit of God rests on you individually. On you, Barb. On you, Norm. On you, Judy. On you, John. On Harry. On me. On each one of you. But he also rests upon us collectively. When we come together, there's a corporate anointing that when you're weak that day or you're having trouble that day, if you'll get into the corporate anointing of service, you can actually go higher faster. You, you can go further because you're, you're operating under everybody's pull of the anointing. But no. if you don't pull... You're not going anywhere. If you don't resist your flesh and pull toward the spirit, your flesh is going to win every time. Now, this doesn't give you a ticket to go out and be stupid. 
No, if you be stupid, I will come pop you on the head. It, do, it doesn't. It, it doesn't give you a ticket to go out there and, and be weird. Yeah, don't, um, don't, don't represent him wrong. Um, for example, a word came to me from my wife last year. It was in September. And I'll talk, talk more about it tomorrow, but, well, you'll be here tomorrow. Someone had said to us, we're too old to minister in their church anymore. They said to Cheryl and me, we're too old. I said, they must be talking to you. <laughs> How old are you? 61. How old am I? 59. Thank you. So, <laughs> cradle robber. So, <laughs> what, what he said to us eventually in this conversation was, he said, we want more people who are relevant today to minister to our, our body. And I, I, it just flew all over me. Relevant. I don't understand the term relevant. Does that mean you're wearing the jeans with this or the, the, the shoes or the hair or whatever? Relevant. I, I, the Lord gave me, he said, I want you to operate not in relevant, but in revelation. Amen. And how do you operate in revelation? Okay, you get in the word, you study the word, and you ask that the word become true and manifest through you. So we operate in revelation, and then it hit me, and I said to Cheryl, I said, because she was, you know, just to turn 61, and I said, um, we have a lot of people and a lot of young people that have a lot of knowledge today. We got a lot of these young preachers on TV that, I mean, they can just, they're, they're like machines quoting the word and, I mean, getting everybody, you know, jacked up. And, and, and I mean, they, they know the word. But there's a difference in having knowledge and having wisdom. Wisdom tells you how to apply the word and when to apply the word. And wisdom can only come with age. Am I right? By learning and seeing and doing. And that, that's why they even with these football players, they don't want to run a rookie quarterback out there because he hasn't got the wisdom. He's got all the skills, but he doesn't have the wisdom to apply them during the game. So that's why Cheryl and I are, are really emphasizing you've got to get in the Word. You've got to get seasoned in the Word. And then when you get in the impartation of the Word, then school yourself. Study. Pray. Get a healing team. Practice. Get, get an intercessory team. I mean, and then you're, the, the, then you're together and you're held accountable to one another. And the last thing that I'll, I'll give you on that is this, before we pray for you, is that when our daughter was ill and I called my spiritual father and I asked him to pray for our daughter and I asked him for wisdom, we were faced with some really, 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 really tough um, decisions We to needed make. to know what to do. And I said, can you please... Help us. And he said, no. I can't. He said, I can't. He said, I won't. I said, well, at the time of need, you bailed on me. And that's the very thing that you need to be careful about. If you're running to man, they'll bail on you in the time when it's tough. But if you run to a man of God who listens to the Holy Spirit, yeah. they'll know exactly what to say. When I just said, man, you're kind of contradicting yourself because you ran to the man of God and he said no. That was exactly <coughs> what he was supposed to say. Because I later figured it out if he had told us to do A and she went to be with the Lord or he told us to be, do B and she went to be <laughs> with the Lord. Him. Guess who we get to blame? Him. And what he was saying is you, are, you are wise enough in the Lord that you can go to the Father yourself. And here. And here through the Holy Spirit the decisions that you will make. And what he was saying is you need to trust your own relationship with the Lord. That's probably the, and I didn't figure that out for maybe two or three years. Because I was trying. mad. I'm like, you bailed on me. No, no. And that's what we do in the ministry. We should re raise, these, raise our people up long enough to, and, hear. Uh, to hear from the Holy Spirit so that we're not the shell answer man, but we direct them back to what they have schooled themselves in the Word of God and when they need an answer. You don't have to go to your priest. No offense. You can go right to the Father. Well, and that's what the Word said I read in, in Corinthians 14. Pray that you may interpret. Pray in the Holy Ghost and then pray that you may interpret. God wants you to know He's not keeping anything from you. And so, as we close this morning, I just want to read to you out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. That is why I remind you to fan into flame the gracious gift of God, that inner fire, the, 
special endowment which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he did give us a spirit of power. And of course, it goes on and says of love and of sound mind. But when he says of power, he's talking about the Holy Ghost. So God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but he did give you a spirit of power. And he says, you have to stir it up. You have to fan the flame. You have to fan it. You have to, it's not just going to be fairy dust on you and off of you. He's not just going to knock you down. You have to understand the Holy Ghost. He's a romancer. He is in relationship with you. It's intimacy with him. You cannot stand far off from him and then expect him to move in your life when you need it. You've got to work that relationship. You've got to practice walking in the Spirit. You've got to practice the power of the Holy Ghost on our YouTube channel. And if you're not subscribed to it, you should be. Salem Family Ministries, we have a channel on YouTube. I did three teachings on the Holy Ghost, on walking, being led by the Holy Ghost, being led by the Spirit. We need to know how to be ever in constant communication with Him. And nobody can make that happen for you. You've got to determine in your heart, I'm going to walk with the Holy Ghost for the rest of my life. He's going to be my guide. He's going to be my counselor. He's going to be my counselor. My counselor. He knows what you can't possibly know. He's going to be your help. He's going to be your strength. He's going to be your standby. He's going to be the joy that you need and you desperately have to have if you're going to have his strength. You need the joy of the Lord. And so as we close today, I've asked for um, him to just play a few of my tracks and don't play them really loud. But because I wanted to start with the worship team, I want to lay hands on the worship team first. Because if uh, so you would many, like us to lay hands on you, we would love to lay hands on you. With if, an impartation. If not, then that's fine as well. Okay. Yeah, so, so we many, invite you to that. It's up to you. The reason I want to start with the worship team, so many times they're stuck on the platform worshiping, they don't get to partake of anything. So we'd love it if you would come. If you want the impartation of the Holy Spirit, we're going to lay our hands on you for a fresh fire, for a fresh anointing, for a move of the Holy Ghost inside of you like you've not had in a long time or maybe never. Something new, Father. Let your fire fall. Let your joy fall. Let depression go in Jesus' name as the presence of you comes forth. In the mighty name of Jesus.